This is the Rude Advice Podcast with TikTok influencer Rudy A. Divorce after 16 years of marriage and single at 39, I share my mistakes and experiences to help your marriage improve your dating life and prepare you for life after divorce. This is going to be a very important episode for a lot of people. If you're out there in your car at the gym, going for a hike or a walk, whatever, and you're considering getting a divorce, if you're considering buying an engagement ring, if you're considering saying I do, I want you to take a moment and listen to this entire episode because obviously I've been through a divorce, right? I was married 16 years and divorced and it's not a great experience. It's pretty much the most painful experience I've ever been through and I don't recommend it to my worst enemies. So today I have a divorce attorney, Dennis Vitrano. He is a New York divorce attorney. He's also a social media personality. You've probably seen him on TikTok or on Facebook. He's the attorney, attorney, excuse me, who's got a blazer. He's got a lot of rock and roll shirts. And I saw his content about a year ago. I'm like, this guy, he knows what he's talking about. So I followed him. I've been uh, commenting on his videos and sharing them. And I decided, let me reach out to them. So if you listen to this podcast, you know, I want to give everybody the right information. There's a lot of myths. There's a lot of misconceptions about divorce that have a lot of men fearful of even getting married. And I wanted to bring him on the show one to just give give you the right information because divorce can be a complicated process. And again, your emotions are on an all time high. You're going in waves of depression and anger. You're really not thinking straight. So I wanted everybody to get the right information. And today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about do men really get the short end of the stick as we normally think that's what happens. And believe it or not, it doesn't happen as, as often as you think. So stay tuned for that. We're going to talk about what the biggest regrets his clients have as they're in his office, seeing their marriage dissolve in front of them. We're going to talk about some of the biggest regrets they have. We're also going to talk about what you can do if you're young in your early 20s and you're not engaged. You don't have anything tying to you as far as, you know, kids and you're free. Listen to this podcast because this is going to give you some wonderful insight on what to look for before you fall in love and go along that path. It's unfortunate that there's so many marriages out there that are in a bad place. People got married for the wrong reasons or people had that gut feeling while they were engaged when they knew they should not have gotten married, but they went ahead along with it anyway. So we're going to talk about a lot of those scenarios that I think is going to help out a lot of people today. And I also want to thank everybody who's been supporting the show. I know I haven't done an interview like this in quite some time. I've been doing a lot of live formats on YouTube and on TikTok, and I hope you've been enjoying those episodes. If you have, leave some feedback on the comments on this platform. I believe Spotify, you can't, but if you're listening to Apple iTunes, you can as well, but leave some feedback. Let me know what format you like. And the reason I'm going with the live format is that it's more convenient for me to be honest, especially with my fiance and my son now moving in. Um, Obviously don't have as much free time as I did in the past. So plus I like the live environment. I'm more engaged to people. I can answer questions on the fly, but if you like that, let me know, but I definitely have more uh, interviews lined up for you. I just had to get back on my feet. This summer has been crazy. But again, feel free to join me on those lives on YouTube. Uh, You can find the latest uh, listings and when I'm going to be live on my YouTube page, Root Advice with Rudy A, or on TikTok, where you can find me there as Rudy A official. And without further ado, here's divorce attorney, Dennis Vitrano. All right. So everybody, first, I want to announce that this is my 50th episode of the podcast, and I wanted to celebrate this in a big way. And who other than uh, somebody who speaks around the terms that I do regarding divorce, separation, but he's... uh, Way smarter than me. <laughs> oh, stop. And that's a divorce attorney. Dennis is a Vetrano. I just want to say that correct, right? Yeah, Vetrano. Yep. Vetrano. Hello, sir. How are you doing? 
How are you as I'm sipping water? Sorry. Um, <laughs> congratulations on your 50th episode. That's so awesome. I love what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's, it doesn't feel like work when you're having fun. And it, when you're learning from people from all perspectives. And like I, like I said, I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I like talking to people who are smarter than me. That gives me perspective and what they're learning from, where they're coming from. And that's how I feel you grow as an individual. So again, I reached out to you about a few months ago and I'm glad we were able to finally, uh, get together. I was on your podcast last week and now you're yeah. online. So again, thank you for doing this. Yeah, no problem. I, I feel like, uh, I don't know if you get this sense too, Rudy. I think like, number one, this is the funnest thing that I do uh, out of everything I do. And I've done a whole, uh, whole sorts of stuff as a divorce lawyer, but, uh, but you learn so much and, and you, and you learn from the people like I've always looked in from the outside mm-hmm. and I know I have an expertise looking in from the outside. But but to learn from the people who've been looking out from the inside, mm-hmm. I've learned a lot myself. So yeah, yeah. And uh, one thing I appreciate about I think I saw your video. When was it? A couple months back, I saw your video, and the, the, the videos look gorgeous, by the way. But what stood out to me is your cool T-shirts. You got a lot yeah. of rock shirts. <laughs> That's yeah. CBG, uh, CBGB. It is. It is oh, CBGBs. Awesome. Yep. What's your yeah. favorite rock band? If you don't mind me asking. Oh, good grief! I don't know. That's that's a tough one. Lately, so so did you ever, like, I grew up in, like, 80s era. Like, I remember, like, one of the first songs I remember hearing when I was on the school bus, and I'll never forget it as long as I live, was Round and Round by Rat. Rat? Oh, heck so, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so that whole era. But I watched uh, The Dirt, that movie about Motley mm. Crue. Yeah, that was and, a good one. Uh, really just got reacquainted with Motley Crue after that. So that's one of my favorites lately, but what I've been listening to lately. Yeah, uh, well, I'm 46, and uh, I grew up in the 80s as well. You know, yeah. a part of it, mainly in the 90s, because the 90s were like my teenage years. But right, yeah, the hair band, metal band was always for me. But I think um, my band was always Metallica and thrash yeah. metal. I just love that yeah. stuff. But, yeah, Metallica. Uh, music, sir. <laughs> oh, thank you. You, you as well. You as well. It's funny. Uh, first, one of the first concerts I ever went to was a Metallica concert, and really? it was crazy. It was crazy town, man. When I tell you, people were literally crowd surfing, uh, and and no exaggeration. Yeah. It was awesome. It was crazy. So, <laughs> so you're obviously a divorce attorney. How many years have you been uh, in this practice? I started uh, practicing in 1999. And uh, when I started out, I was taking everything, um, you know, criminal defense stuff. I was doing stuff. I, I took a job where my boss would let me do everything and basically mm-hmm. say, hey, go out and run with it. And I did everything. But I started gravitating towards the family law because I feel like um, people saw that I was passionate with the stuff that I would argue. And I, and I've always said to people like, look, you know, I need to match your passion for the situation as much as I can. Mm. It's not my life as is possible when the most important things are hanging the balance, right? Like your, your, your kids, your house, your retirement, your, your paycheck, your, your, your everything is hanging the balance. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think people appreciated the way I approached it. So, and, and here I am 24 years later. That's awesome. yeah. And you know what? I never thought of it that way because you always ask people like either in the medical profession or, you know, or lawyer, like well, why this particular field, why this practice? And you're right because you're dealing with people. You're dealing with people at their you lowest are. time with their lives. <clears throat> then they're very emotional and they need guidance and need help versus somebody, I don't know, like insurance fraud or something regarding compliance. That would be boring right. as hell to me in my, in my opinion. So this is more of a human aspect. So I, I guess I never really thought about that. So, wow, that does make sense. Yeah, it's funny because like the one thing that's always frustrated me about the practice of law in general and, and you know, people complain about the system and the judges and everything else. What's always frustrated me is 
they don't look at these situations like it's their sister or their father mm. or their mother or their cousin. They look at it like, oh, it's just another case file. It's just that guy's situation or that gal's kids. Mm-hmm. You know, that you know, it, it's not. But you can't look at it that way. It's it's people's lives. It's people's children. It's, um, you know, I remember. I had a case years ago and the judge said to us, well, you know, you're worried about dividing what the equity is in the house. Just, just pick a number. It doesn't matter. Just pick a number. This is probably 90% of their net worth. Mm -hmm. And when I'm saying you need to know really what it's worth, because that $50,000 right now to these people is going to change their lives, whether it's 50 more or 50 less. Yeah. So like, how could you just be like that flippant about it? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, um, perhaps they've been in the game too long. Maybe they're just so disconnected to it. Because I have some yeah. f- some friends who are police officers, and sometimes they say they catch themselves just totally being um, uh, unsympathetic to the situation because yeah. they see it all the time, so they're numb to it. Right. And uh, some of them have even said like something horrible happens, and they'll laugh. But they're, it's not laughing because they're laughing at the situation. They just don't know how to react to it. So yeah. I guess I kind of that does make sense. But uh, I love that you have that honed in and you keep an eye on that because I think that's what's lacking. And some would say that maybe they're trained that way. You have to emotionally separate yourself from your client. That way you can be more objective, yeah. maybe. Maybe some would teach that. But I appreciate uh, anybody who's in that situation. Uh, I've gone through it myself. Once yeah. somebody who's passionate uh, in yeah. representing them. That's definitely what we want. Yeah. And I think you, I think you do. Um, I think for the good ones, they care so much that they take it home and they internalize it. And it eats them up and then they get out of the profession because it's just too much for them to handle. Yeah. So I think it's a very rare breed of, of family law uh, professionals who stay in it, who are good at it, who care about the people that they work with, um, you know, enough to like bring that passion to the table. Mm-hmm. But, the, but then, you know, you as a professional, you know, they say uh, lawyers in this particular area of law have a much higher suicide rate. Uh, really? Much higher alcoholism rate, much higher drug abuse rate, mental health, uh, uh, depression. Uh, it's funny. I just took a training on that through our uh, uh, New York State Bar Association, and, and it's true. But wow. I think y- you need to know how to – if you really care about your clients, you need to know how to balance. Like, you know, like go home at the end of the day and say, hey, if your client was acting like a jackass and did the wrong thing, and then because they did the wrong thing, the case went in a way that wasn't in their best interest, don't feel like that's your fault, right? Because right. I think, you know, we internalize these things. Like I take a home a case and I'll be thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And then I'll be like, Dennis, you, you've thought it through a million times, mm-hmm. a million different directions. You just need to like, the facts are the facts. That's all you can do and do the best job you can, you know, mm-hmm. but then you want to convince your client to, to like follow your advice so that the facts become favorable for your circumstance. Then right. it makes your job easier, uh-huh. you know, and your likelihood of success increases. But yeah, but it's wow. I mean, and again, thank you for being on because again, you're showing, you're giving me perspective and something I never really thought of because we all take our work home. Some of us do. Some of us are better than others. To, to just like, as soon as we leave that door from our office, we're disconnected. Some of us can do that. Some can't. But when you're representing somebody and your performance dictates what their outcome is in your life, like you said, the 50000 and the equity and those things, that's a lot of pressure that I guess some people don't think about or maybe take for granted that what lawyers are going through uh, yeah. fighting for us. So that's a yeah. wonderful perspective. 
if you're doing the right thing. I mean, I, you know, there's a lot of, it's just like anything else, like police officers, like yeah. anybody, like, you know, people at the grocery store, people at the bank, whomever, whatever profession, you're, you're going to get bad ones and good ones. Um, yeah. But the good ones you really want to uh, appreciate. And I think people don't realize that for lawyers, just a thank you or just like, I really appreciate what you're doing or like, you know, like, thank you. You know, I had clients come up to me afterwards and say, thank you for fighting for me. And it's like, well, you know, that's my job. But mm-hmm. it's nice to hear that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it is nice to hear that because it isn't just a, a it isn't just a job at the end of the day. It's a profession and it's more than that. Yeah, definitely. And um, I kind of want to go back to TikTok because that's where I found you. And, yeah, yeah, and sure. Your videos are great. I love the captions. It's produced beautifully. So I, I love that. Thank you. But uh, I'm pretty sure you've seen, you know, when you have the divorce conversations like I like I do, you see a lot of hot takes. You see a lot of young influencers talking about a whole bunch of things like a lot of them aren't even married when they're talking about divorces. And there's this one right. take. And I want to get your expert opinion on is where these alpha bro podcasts are saying or claim that 80 percent of women initiate the divorce. So that, hence, women are the problem and the reason why marriages are failing. So from your years of experience, what is your take when you hear that, ah, <laughs> uh, I mean, so so well, you know, I, what I like to do is I like to gather information from as many different sources as I can, and then through that cross section of information, like see if you can find some useful information. So can you draw any like conclusions? Can you formulate any hypothesis from that? Mm-hmm. So what I see is number one, women do file for divorce more frequently than men do by a pretty substantial margin. Mm-hmm. It's also statistically shown that people tend people meaning would necessarily now need to be women tend to ponder the divorce for a long time. It's yeah. very rare that people say I want to be divorced overnight. Um and then you have to think about if they're waiting a long time like what 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 are what are they struggling with like like why are they taking so long to make that decision and what are the what's the reasoning um and i feel like you know you can take a look at some of the prime causes for divorce right uh mm-hmm. you know affairs abuse uh finances you know there's a bunch of other things but i think a lot of those the abuse is its own thing because if oh, yeah. somebody is an abuser, you, you don't really, you know, I've always said like, look, you have to distinguish, is this a relationship problem that caused the failure of the relationship or is it a people problem, a person problem? Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody has, you know, a, a serious drug addiction, you can't fix that for them. That's not your relationship's fault. That And, and, and even there's something underlying that, but mm-hmm. you can't fix that. That's not the relationship thing. The relationship things you can fix, the people things they need to kind of tackle on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, what I'm finding is what I'm hearing more and more from women is like the, the lack of the engagement and the lack of the partnership and the lack of, you know, and I always draw it even deeper than that. You know, this kind of like draws back to genuine gender roles. So yes. we've been, you know, we've been promoting women and feminism to be strong woman. She can do anything. She's going to be the neurosurgeon. She's going to be the CEO. She's mm-hmm. going to do it all. She's going to make millions of dollars. She's going to be heard. She's going to give voice her opinion and not hold back. Mm-hmm. We are generating strong women and bravo. I applaud that. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side of that, and I, and I think 
uh, uh, the gender roles are evolving, right? Now, now we're getting out of those traditional gender roles. And as we evolve out of those traditional gender roles, like, you know, now maybe the guy should be filling in the other gaps because now it's not you come home. Like I remember when I grew up, my mom worked part-time. My dad worked 70 hours a week. He made the bulk of the money. And when I came home, mom was there. She was preparing meals. She was taking me to ball games and stuff like that. But what if that's flipped? Right. If that's, you're seeing that more and more frequently now. What if that's flipped? Mm-hmm. If that's flipped, but now the guys still have the instinct of, I grew up with my mom preparing meals. I grew up with my mom taking me to ball games. I grew up with my mom, 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 right. mom, all these things. And now we've been socialized to think, well, those are mom things, but they're not mom things. They're parent things. They're exactly. partner things. They're people who are in a partnership. That's the things that they do together. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be exactly 50-50. We don't, ever, we don't have to take every single task in the relationship and cut it down the middle 50-50. But if you're starting to get to you know, 70-30, 80-20, 90-10, she's out there killing it, doing all these things. And we're just thinking, I go to work and I come home and I check out. And I think as guys, I think, you know, I know this is going to sound like a little stereotypical, but I think as guys, we tend to be less introspective. We tend to bury our head in the sand a little bit more. Yes. So we'll come home from work every day. Okay. Is dinner ready? Okay. I'm going to bed. Like, like not engage on all the stuff and not be like super, super aware of all the stuff that's going on around us. Mm-hmm. And I think that women are more in tune with that. And I think Absolutely. that women are out there following, chasing their dreams. They're killing it. They're making the money. And they're still doing a lot of the other stuff because they were also raised to still do a lot of the other stuff too. And now mm-hmm. they're saying, Hey, wait a second. How long am I going to be able to keep this up doing all this stuff? And I'm not saying every guy is bad and they're all not doing anything. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying these are the themes I'm seeing. So like now, women file more frequently. They take time to really think about it. We know those two things statistically, right? Mm -hmm. So what are they really thinking about? What are the things that are bothering them? And these are the themes that I'm seeing. The themes that I'm seeing is the lack of engagement in that true partnership. You know, and theoretically that could be on either side. Absolutely, yeah. But that tends to be what I'm seeing. So what do we need to do as guys? What's the message? So I don't agree with that in terms of like, you know, women are the problem. They're just file it like like it's like, oh, look, my, my wife blindsided me and like, you know, just filed for the force. A lot of times that's not the case. It's like, hey, you know, yeah. we should get some me time. Like, hey, can you pitch in with the kids? Like, hey, can and and if we want to rewind, I know this even just from me. When we had our first child. Why did I automatically assume that mom was lining up daycare? Why did I automatically assume that that she would be the contact with school? Why did I assume that automatically? I'm not a bad guy. Uh, listen, I, I, I am 110 miles an hour, 110% with everything all the time. But why mm-hmm. did I automatically assume that she was? And I, and I asked myself that. I said, why? Why her? You know? Mm-hmm. One of her friends said to her a while ago, she said, you know, one of my divorced friends says it's actually, once I got divorced, it was actually better because I had time to myself. Yeah. Because on the weekend that dad had the kids, dad had the kids. It wasn't me. Mm-hmm. I actually had a weekend that was me. And I thought about that. You know, she just told me just sharing, is sharing a story from one of her friends. And I was like, you know what? Why is it every weekend she's always engaged with everything? Sometimes I'm helping, but she's always engaged with everything. It's never just me. Mm-hmm. Why is it never just me? 
And I've yeah. also been the type that would grocery shop and, and you know, and yeah. do laundry and, and, and make meals and stuff like that. But why, why, with the kids, why was it always just only her? And I decided at that point, once I had that epiphany, it's like, I'm going to change this. Mm-hmm. It's not her responsibility. These are our kids. Yes. This is our house. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm making our dinner or she's making our dinner. Not just hers, not just the kids, not just mine. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think what you're seeing is, there's a, there, it, I think there's so much more to it to dissect than just that simple like, hey, women file more frequently, they're the problem. Mm-hmm. It's so much deeper than that. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of them know that unless they've been through it. Like, again, you deal with this every day. I went through divorce myself, and when I heard that stat, I'm like, well, I guess I'm the exception or the rarity because I'm, I filed because I tried everything to save the marriage, and you know, I finally came to the realization that it's not going to work. But right. I left with a peace of mind knowing I tried everything. But right. there was so much more to like I filed. It was like years of thinking about, okay, what do we need to do to save it? The counseling, let's try that. Invest six months in that. It didn't work. What can right. I do? Can I make sacrifices? There's so much more to it than just quitting. And I think a lot right. of the young men, what they're seeing on social media is these myths or like an idea of what divorce is without knowing the realities of it. And right. a lot of guys that I see in the comments are like, well, women quit. Like, you know, it's for life. And you quit. And I'm like, well, technically, it, for someone to file and tell their kids, mommy and daddy, getting divorced, it's not quitting. It's a horrible decision to make, but they're kind of forced to because not all the time, but some of the times they've tried to save it or someone's yeah. dealing with the vice or let's go to counseling. Why should I go to counseling? You're the one with the problems. You know, it's always one sided and not right. wanting to be like a team to get the marriage to grow. It's right. always someone blaming the other. Is what I've seen. And a lot of guys, I think they don't understand that. And they think maybe if I just pay the bills like dad did, like you said, come home, pay the bills. Yep. Everyone's got food in their tummies. They got clothes, brand new shoes. That's all. Hey, my job's done. Done. And that, right. that's not going to cut it. That's right. And here's the funny thing. You know, it's I, I can even remember from an early relationship that I had, like the 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 processing of the fact that this person broke up with me, did not mm. want to be with me anymore. And there was nothing I could do to hold them with me. I, I did a piece this morning that will be released shortly about the difference between a marriage and a relationship. People think this ring is a lock. Once you're married, you're locked together. That's it. I don't got to work at the relationship. This is the lock that holds you. This piece of metal that you put around your finger. It's not. It's not. This is not. Marriage is not an obligation. I know there's legal obligations. I get it. Figuratively. Yeah. It's not an obligation. It's not really any different than a relationship, meaning that what do you have to do to preserve a relationship? In the marriage, we just say, hey, I got this. I got this thing right here. Mm-hmm. Marriage is good. Mm-hmm. No, no. You've got to look at it like it's a relationship that you're working at every day. You're working hard to preserve it. You're working hard to make it better. You're working hard to, to, to know that you're doing what you can so they're getting what they can out of life, and mm-hmm. you're helping that endeavor. And presumably they're doing the same thing for you. Mm-hmm. You would hope. You would hope they are. I mean, it, it can right. never be just one-sided. Yeah. Right. And you're going to get those situations. I mean, Rudy, you know. You're going to get those situations because you've been through it. You're yeah. going to get those situations like, hey, we tried. We did everything we could. It doesn't work. And we tried. And that's all we can do. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Like, that's yeah. okay. I mean, there's no really, you know, I don't think there's necessarily anybody to to blame there you know what i mean mm-hmm. um yeah I, and i agree with that and again i think like i mentioned on your podcast that the realization for me to not file was i didn't want to admit that we failed or i failed so it's that 
realization looking in the mirror like it just didn't work and walking away with right. it and that's right. it, that took a, a long time it, it took years for me to get there but i eventually did and it was a great greatest decision i made in my life because our lives just turned out wonderfully after the fact and we're better parents than we were husband and wife so it, that's it, and i wish it, that situation was more common for others and that's just yeah. not the case um, I, I uh, wanted to talk about real quick, I think you touched on it already, the top reasons why people are filing. You said affairs uh, were, were, were the top one. Is that correct? Did I hear that right? Uh, I mean, they're top four. You're going to find abuse, affairs, and addiction are going to fall around the top four somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. Top four or five. And what's the number one? Ooh, I don't know that off the top of my head. Statistically, I don't know. But I know okay. the affairs, addiction, abuse, uh, money problems tend to be four of the top. Of the top. Okay. Affairs, yeah, that, that that does make sense. And as far as divorces go, um, I understand like the, the affair piece. I know there's all states that have a no fault clause. Is that correct? Um, yeah, they do. Yep. Can you tell people who don't know what that is, what a no fault state means, or what that rule means? This is actually a really good topic because I just did a piece where I've gotten a lot of comments from people. A lot of them are incorrect. So so okay. it's important that that listeners distinguish. There's fault. Okay, well, let's back up. Okay. Here's what takes up a divorce, right? Mm-hmm. Grounds, child support, child custody, child visitation, spousal support, attorney's fees, equitable distribution. That's generally what I explain to clients comprise all of a divorce. Grounds does not impact the finances at all, okay? Mm-hmm. Doesn't impact, not in New York State, it used, unless... Unless you have extreme domestic violence. Now, there's a new piece added to equitable distribution that says in New York State, there's extreme domestic violence. Yes, it can impact the division of the assets and the, and the money, okay? Right. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, grounds, the money does not impact um, – or grounds does not impact the money in a divorce case. Mm-hmm. You can have two different – Type, well, there's multiple different types of grounds in New York State. There's infidelity, there's abandonment, there's um, prison. I think it's in prison for more than three years. There's cruel and inhumane treatment, but there's also irretrievable breakdown in the marital relationship for more than six months. That's New York State's version of no fault divorce. Okay? Mm-hmm. So if you file for cruel and inhumane treatment saying they didn't treat me well, even if you prove that, it doesn't change the money. Gotcha. So when people talk about affairs, you could let's say somebody cheated on you. You could file under irretrievable breakdown of the marital relationship because it's no fault divorce, and you could also file under a ground that says infidelity. Mm-hmm. But no matter which grounds you went under, it wouldn't impact the money. It doesn't change how much money you make. So I did a piece just recently about, well, what if your husband or wife is spending all this money, you know, during the marriage on their girlfriend or boyfriend? Can you try to get that money back in the divorce? And the answer to that question is yes. And then yet a lot of people chime in and say, well, not if you have no fault divorce. No, it doesn't have anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. If you're wasting marital funds on your boyfriend or girlfriend, theoretically, the other spouse can ask for that money back in the context of the divorce. So, so yes, yeah, so important to distinguish the ground, which is the basis to dissolve the marital relationship from the other pieces, which are the finances. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and I think that's what a lot of guys needed to hear because – they hear that you can be a good husband, you can come home nine to five and, you know, provide and be a wonderful dad. She can cheat and still take the house and, you know, take some alimony, half the child support, all that, because there's no consequence to her behavior because uh, the grounds of it doesn't impact the, everything else uh, in the divorce right. piece. And I think a lot of guys are, are wanting that. 
And right. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I don't know if some states allow that, or maybe the prenup could maybe you can put like a list of like uh, amendments. In you your can marriage. put it in there, and it used to be, um, it used to be that you know grounds would impact the finances many years ago in New York State, but it doesn't any longer. Um, I mean, theoretically, you could try to build it into a prenup, but I think. You know, I'm always looking for the the longer term, more more long game solutions. Ooh, I mean, okay. I feel like uh, you got to choose well, and I think that's hard. You got to yeah. know yourself and know what you want out of life and choose well, which is very hard. And still, there's no guarantees. Mm-hmm. And then once you've done that, you got to work at it. Like I I I think it's rare, from what I've seen, that it's just somebody just goes out and cheats on you. Mm-hmm. That's rare, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I think we're, you know, the, the, the affairs are driven, in my opinion, by being attracted to someone else outside. And maybe like, you know, you're, you're looking at the new shiny things outside around you, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, rather than focusing on being in the moment and the person that you're with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the way you keep your significant other engaged is just by I mean, forgive the expression, being fucking awesome. I mean, that's yeah. what it is. Just like be you. I mean, find somebody that you know really loves you for you and then just be you. Be that you. Be yeah. that exciting, adventurous, new you every day. Yeah. You know? And I think we, as guys, we get into the rut, like you said, I'm the provider. I come home. I do X. I do Y. I do Z. Blah, 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 blah. Not, in get, you know, not really being fully aware of our surroundings. And some people just choose wrong, and you just end up with a person who's going to do that anyhow. So, yeah. um, or get married because she got pregnant, and you know, well, right, those types of situations, or you don't really know them, or getting married under six months, or we just met and we're in love, like, hey, time out, right, <laughs> like, right, don't do that, right? Yeah, there's no stopwatch on it, and I mean, uh, you know, I think that's the thing, you know, I think especially for you know a lot of it, I, I know you guys. Um, I know we're talking about from the guy's perspective, but I think a lot of it, I talk with women about it too, is like, you know, don't feel like, just like with the divorce, don't feel like you're allowing these people outside of your situation guide you to when you should get married, who you should marry to what you should do. Yes, yes. You know? I mean, that that stigma of divorce convinces people to stay in unhappy situations much longer than, sometimes abusive situations, much longer than they should. And it's the same thing with getting married to begin with. You know, oh, when are you getting married? When are you get when are you having kids? Are you having kids soon? You know, like you're like, whoa, like, you know, Aunt Sally, I'm twenty five, dude. Like, mm-hmm. like <laughs> give me a couple minutes, you know? Yeah. Like Um So it's yeah. I mean it's a combination of a lot of different things, but I think it's a matter of like at the at the starting point, like find the find the right situation. Yeah. And I, I, I mentioned this in your podcast last week and of course on my podcast many times that um, I did love my high school sweetheart who I married. We, mm-hmm. we were in love, but we were real, we were pressured. And we talked about this last week and just, yes, yeah. your mom wasn't shut up. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> and her mom too, everybody's like, when, I want to be grand, like, grandmother, hurry up. When are you going to, when's the big day? So, right. and Hispanic culture, a lot of us did get married young. That was kind of the norm, but I'm glad we're yep. starting to break out of that because that was back when the life expectancy was 35 or something like that. I don't know, but right. we got married young and uh, it did last a long time, but we weren't ready. We both admitted that we did it for our families. And I yeah. think the outside pressures got to got to uh, definitely got to us but get to a lot of people and you see that on social media as well on tiktok like you, you'll see a girl or a guy crying i'm 25 i haven't found my person yet oh god this is my fifth wedding that i'm going to and you know what? i just feel lonely 
what do I do? Yeah. I'm like, you're, you're fine. <laughs> I go, I want to go right. through the, the, the phone. Like you're doing fine, man. Don't worry about it. It'll happen. Just don't let this pressure get to you. Because <laughs> yeah. then, as you said, it makes you, for, it forces you to, into a bad decision, yeah. ignoring some red flags. But, you know, yeah. hey, two out of the five boxes, she's checked. We'll go with that. And then it ends horribly eight years later. Yep. And here's the thing about that. They say, I feel lonely. Yeah. Your indication then should not be to find another person. It should be to find you. Yes. Find you. You're lonely because you haven't found you yet. Mm-hmm. You're going to find the best relationship. Did you ever hear that saying like, you're going to find that person when you're not even looking? Yes. So how do you not it's look? It's true. It is true. <laughs> yeah. How do you not look? You focus on you. I've always said you have to be comfortable being by yourself, being alone. You have to be happy with you. And I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with coaches and relationship experts and psychologists that, that will you know, say basically the same thing. Yeah. Got to find you. Take the, And listen, it takes you time to become the person you're ultimately going to be. You know, because, well, people change over time. Yes, you do. But let's put it this way. In in my opinion, from 18 to 35, you are going to change a whole lot. Thank you. But from mm-hmm. like 40 to 60? <laughs> You're there. <laughs> you know? So, so like, again, you got to know in those, in the earlier, uh, in your younger life, like, allow yourself to evolve and grow into the person generally you want to be, at least enough so you can see your path in life. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then you find a person that's going to grow with you and make you better and you're going to make them better. And you're like generally on the same trajectory um, because that'll go a long way. It will. It will. And I preach that all the time. Like, don't get married in your 20s. I've done many podcasts with that topic. And of course, yeah. I get ridiculed. Well, we got married at 18 and here we are 35 years later. I'm like, yes, you're the exception to the rule. I get that. And congratulations. I'm glad you're happy. Yeah. But and I always always rebuttal. Would you want your kids to get married at 18? Well, no, no, no. There you go. See, why would you want to preach <laughs> oh, I'm them? using that. I'm using that because <laughs> I get the same responses. We yeah. were married at we were married at, at 17 and we've been married for 40 years. That's fantastic. And some people, you know, for some people, it just clicks like that and that's mm-hmm. fine. And quite frankly, I'm thrilled to hear that. But playing Mm -hmm. the odds and that's what i say playing the odds of what i've seen it tends to not be very likely so you know you want to play the odds as much as you can and and know yourself and i think it's an important exercise though for people i mean forget about marriage forget about relationships altogether yeah i mean do you want to do you want to be 45 and not know who you are Ooh, i was 39 and didn't know who i was right yep Right? I had no idea because I never had but, the opportunity. Right. But here's what happens. I think in the divorce process, what happens is they, you know, you ever hit, play video games and hit like the hyperspeed button? Yeah. You go into that divorce, hyperspeed, you got to figure out who you are. Mm-hmm. Because now your whole life is going to change. Yeah. And not necessarily for the worse. And quite frankly, I think in most cases for the better, but you mm-hmm. don't see it yet. Yeah. You don't see it yet. You're in it and you're like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Just did a, a, a video this morning about like fear. Like how when, you know, your, your whole, your whole concept of everything changes when you realize that you need to confront your fear. Yeah. You just turn around and say, Hey, that thing I was deathly afraid of moving on, being alone, being, you know, splitting time with my kids. That that's, that's scary. Yeah. 
but you've got to confront that. And as soon as you confront that, you kind of take control of the situation back. Mm-hmm. You do. And it's unfortunate that a lot of people will see the fear and just turn around. And like, nope, yeah. I'm going to wait till the kids are 18. I'm going to wait yeah. and I'll do it later. I'm going to sacrifice my happiness uh, for my kids. And I hate that breaks my heart when I hear that because I thought like that as well. But when you're just teaching your, your kids what a horrible marriage looks like, a horrible model. And I go I always rebuttal like, well, don't you want to teach them like what? Hey, life didn't work out, but this is how you rebuild your life. This is how you co-parent. And this is how you turn something negative into a positive. Don't you want to teach them that? But they never see it that way. And I understand because we love our kids. Of course. And, and as a matter of fact, I put a video out a couple of days ago because women were always saying, just leave. If men ain't happy, just leave. And I'm like, okay. So I actually wrote down pen to paper why men don't leave. And it's gone super viral. It's got like, what, 200 and it's almost 300K views right now. Wow. And there's almost like a, a thousand comments of men. And more or less in the video, I said, this is why men don't leave because we love our babies. They're the only things that bring us joy. You know, but, you know, we're not happy in this marriage. We try to save it, but we love our kids. We're dedicated fathers and uh, we're not going to leave because we might lose our house. We might have another man come in and raise our kids. We may not see them as much and tuck them in at night. You know, we don't want to sacrifice that. So we'll sacrifice our happiness for them. And uh, at least a thousand comments of men saying, you just spoke my life. This is me right now. And it breaks my heart that there's so many marriages out there in this state of men who are just unhappy with their wives, but they love their kids and they're the fear of losing them is what's keeping them in that place. And I guess that ties to my next question. Is it as bad as men think it is as far as divorce goes? I know we hear the horror stories. I know we hear the viral uh, pitches, but when there's a divorce, are men still getting, I guess, shafted? And I know every situation is different, right? But are men still getting shafted or the the bad end of the stick when it comes to divorces, when it comes to kids and such? I mean, it depends. I mean, I think years ago, it was the standard. Let's let's just take custody and visitation, for example. Years ago, it was a standard of like, mom gets the kids, dad gets every other weekend, you know, like, yeah. but now it's like, I, I, I think we've evolved, especially in, in New York State, downstate New York State, in that, um, you know, we're taking a little bit more, uh, you know, tailor-made, sort of made-to-fit sort of approach to those situations. That's good. But again, you have to have been engaged throughout Like I, you know, I I have something I call uh, parental pride. I feel like some parents have this sense of mom or mom or dad have this sense of parental pride that they can't ever agree to anything less than 50 50. It's got to be 50 50. And then I'm like, but you travel like four weeks out of the month. You can't like, well, they'll just be with a babysitter. They'll be with my parents. You, You can't like. You know, so so I think um, I think for guys, and I'm going to circle back. I'm going to dovetail this with, or or, or do a, a juxtapose this to the last conversation we were having. Mm-hmm. We as guys, I, I kind of like. Sometimes I feel like I'm being a little bit hard on them in that I say, well, you know, you come home every night, and you don't engage, and isn't that, you know, that's why, you know, ladies in, in large part they leave because you're not being introspective, you're not like putting in the time. But on the flip side of that, guys are thinking. But I'm sacrificing me for the kids. I'm killing myself at work every day to come home and make sure everybody has all the things that they need. And I don't complain and I don't have any hobbies and I don't have any friends. And all I do is for my kids and my wife and that's it. And I know nothing else. We're raised to, we're socialized to be strong. Don't complain. Don't cry. Don't say you need help with anything. You're a man. You do it all. You take care of it every day and you don't complain. I want to hear you BS about that. 
And then they're like, and then I do all that. And then I get this kick in the ass that she wants to be divorced. But I think, um, you know, look, we've got to, we've got to give ourselves a break a little bit more. We've got to like, you know, we've, we've got to take a look inside and say, Hey, what are we dealing with? And, and say, you know, I need to be vocal. I need to talk about it. Cause we know it's not right. I mean, we know yeah. when we're coming home at night and your, your wife shows no interest in you and you know, she you show no interest in her, that there's something there. We see it, but we, ah, you know, I'm a guy. I'll just tough it out. Just doesn't matter. I'm here for the kids. I'm paying bills. Doesn't matter. We've got to like be in tune with the, th- with the things that are, that our mind, that our head and our heart are telling us and say, Hey, I, I need to do more. I need to, you know, and, and, and what I'm coming to is it does involve looking in the mirror and saying, what can I do? Mm-hmm. What did I do wrong? What could I do better? And I guess the reason why I start there is because, you know, my motto is you can't change other people. You can only oh, yeah. change yourself. But when you change yourself, you watch how other people react to you and you will see everything in your life, all of your relationships turn around when you start being the best you. Mm-hmm. But guys, yes. we've got to we've got to be honest with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like it is about our kids. It is about our family. It is about providing. But if you don't protect you, none of the rest of that stuff flies. And that does mean mentally and emotionally as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I, love, I know a lot of us aren't don't know how. We don't know how and or we, we allow it and or we were raised. I know from my situation, my generation was happy wife, happy life. My parents, my grandma yep. told me, make your wife happy, do what she says. I'm like, okay. And I did that and look how that ended. Uh, yep. So just doing everything, whatever you want, honey, giving up decisions, giving up everything, my identity, like whatever you want, honey, whatever, whatever you, you go ahead. And it just didn't end well. Before you know it, I had no opinion. I had no voice in anything I said. It was questioned and just like, oh, no, right. you don't know what you're talking about. Never mind. You never do it. I got it. And that, that affects the person that, that really gets to them. And I right. think a lot of men just need to, maybe they get, and I always say maybe men get married too young because they, they, yes, they think they know what it takes to be a man, but they don't know what it takes to be a husband because they've never been in that situation or they, the longest girlfriend they've ever been with is three months or six right. months. They don't know. And they're only going to mirror what maybe their mom and dad did. And sometimes that's not the best approach. Right. And to your point, don't get married until maybe 30s, 35 to when you figure out who you are. Figure right. out that identity, fail on your own, rebuild yourself up and learn how to, to, to stand up for yourself as well. Not just to, you know, bosses and friends, but, you know, to loved ones as well. That's a skill that you have to learn. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, again, I, it, it's tough with guys. It's tough with guys. Cause I, so that situation I described to you before I've had happen over and over and over again mm-hmm. in my office, but I can think of one particular client, um, and Everything was the family. Everything was work. Everything was providing for them. He did a couple of things for himself, but very rare. And at the end, he said, I have no friends. I have no confidants. I have no place to go. And, and mentally and emotionally was just in a shambles. And I kept saying, please, please, you got to talk to somebody. You know, you got to like get through this. You know, you, you still have your, your kids and your family on the other side of this. And you've got to find a way to get through it. Um, you know, and I, and I think the things that you learn from the divorce process, and that's a lot of the advice I'm giving is I'm seeing things people, people should, or people, I'm seeing problems that are brought to people's attention during the divorce process that if they had really take, really acknowledge them. 10 years before they might be in a totally different situation, okay. not just with their marriage and not just with their, 
you know, parenting plan or their custody situation, but with everything. Okay. So I just want us to try to like, I'm telling you what I see in the divorce process. Please learn from what I'm telling you now. So you could be fixing it 10 years ago. Okay. You know, and maybe the relationship is going to fail. Maybe it's destined to fail, but, but you know it earlier, you're more prepared to deal with it and, and you know, and you're saving yourself 10 years of heartache maybe. Ooh. Well, that kind of ties to my other questions I have here. Like, what are some of the most significant like regrets uh, your clients have expressed wishing they could go back and alter as their marriage is coming to an end? Um, I like think they realize something like, wow, you know what? I should have, I could have. I think you have. So, so we were talking about it before. They say that ladies file most frequently and, mm-hmm. and statistically we already know it takes them a long time to decide to leave. Most of the ladies are saying I should have left a long time ago. Yeah. I don't know that it's necessarily a regret, but they're saying that they should have left a long time ago. And I think the guys are just, I don't think the guys are ready. That, like, and this is average. This isn't everyone across the board. Of course, it's it's of over, over generalizing, of course. But, um, but I think what I see most with the guys is just like completely distraught and, and feel like they're blindsided by the divorce and the breakup of the relationship. Um, and not really ready yet to like analyze like any regrets or what they could have done better. The biggest regret is I never should have gotten married and I should never should have married this, you know, whatever. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not really hearing regrets as much as I'm hearing just like guys needing to, to figure it out and gals saying, I'm glad I did it. I, I should have done it a long time ago. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for, uh, like I said, for my, for myself and you know a few friends of mine, like we just I, we just were stubborn. Like uh, I didn't know how to communicate. I didn't know how to talk. I was always waiting to rebuttal, ready to like. Well, what about me? I'd never listen. And I know everyone. You ask anybody of any age, what's the key to a successful marriage or relationship? Oh, communication. Like, well, no shit. I mean, that's definitely right. it. But I don't think a lot of people know how to communicate. And I don't. I know for a fact, a lot of people don't listen. And I think right. if we just listen to each other. And really just, oh, my actions did this to her or vice versa. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. I am so sorry. I will thank you for bringing this to my attention. Right. I think if we just were more empathetic to what the other person felt. And I think if both people evolved and fought for the marriage, because as you said, and I know for a fact, you know, you evolve in a marriage, things change, people change, situations change, and you may not like how it is now because you miss the old person, but you can't help that. That's life. And, um, uh, I'll share this, uh, my own personal story real quick. I remember in 08, my, uh, my mother-in-law died of pancreatic cancer. Oh, no. Didn't smoke, that. didn't drink, worked out. One Christmas, she had a stomach pain. And all of a sudden, six months later, she's dead. Like, what the hell, right? right. So this is like one of the first major horrible things that happened in the marriage. And, uh, of course, my ex-wife was distraught. Kids yeah. were upset. Like, how do you tell your kids that Nana died? That's a horrible conversation. But anyway... She's gone for six months, pretty much, because as soon as she was diagnosed, she would go to the hospital after work. Mm-hmm. She would uh, then help her with the attorney to get her estate and affairs in order. Right. And then when she died, she had to get the house ready for the market and take care of the funeral, all that. So she's working Monday through Friday and going and handling that at her mom's house. Yeah. And weekend, she's done. Meanwhile, I'm alone with the kids. I'm alone. I'm a practically single dad, but again, I can't be upset about that, but it's over like eight months. I'm by myself doing the single dad thing. And I remember yeah. being angry at the situation and just like, she's changed and I missed her. 
And I remember being angry about that and not understanding that. I think it was the first time I realized that things happen in life that change people and change situations. And you may not be ready for it, but that's part of being, that's part of the sacrifice. That's part of being selfless. And I think a lot of people don't think about that because maybe they think it's all going to be hunky dory, like what they see on social media, all these posts. Right. And they don't think about the bad things. Right. Yeah, yeah. So for me, that was one moment that I realized that people can change. And she wasn't the same after the fact. And I remember just being uh, not angry at her, but just angry that I miss her because, you know, she's not the same anymore. But again, I can't help that because her mom died and just things happened. So that's, it's did you say any, did you, uh, so I'm curious if you don't mind my asking, did you Ask communicate me. that to her that you felt like you missed her and you felt like you were, you were struggling and it was hard? I for you? did. And I think, a verb, I think I may have said like, uh, you know, I miss you. Can we go out? You know, I always want to see you. She's just, she would just say like, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm upset. You know, I just want to be alone right now. I'm, yeah. I'm upset right now. I just, I'm tired because again, cleaning out, uh, you know how parents' yeah. houses are. It's cluttered with junk, and like yep. decades of things. And then there's the estate. So she was exhausted all the time and I don't yep. blame her. And, but I just felt kind of like left out. But again, it's, it's one of those things that happen in marriages that you never think about, but when it happens and you're in the middle of it, it's like, wow, I didn't know life could be this yeah. hard. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, I think a lot of times what the classic guy situation would be is not even the same anything at all. Just expecting that they would know and just walk around pissed off all the time. Mm hmm. Giving them attitude, expecting like they're going to like, and your situation was completely distinct and different. That's, that's a devastating yeah. news to take. But even just average things that we're struggling with is, guys, we won't communicate those things. We won't say, hey, let's go. And even just like, hey, I think of it like this. Hey, I just set up a babysitter for Friday night. We're going to go out and we're going to have a nice dinner. I have tickets. We're going to go. Okay. That's nice. Mm -hmm. Take the initiative. And, and, it, and it's got to start before the problem is festered for years. You don't want to start to, you know, I mean, you, you leave an old car and then, forgive the analogy, but you leave an old car on the driveway for 10 years and then you try to restart it. It's going to yeah. take you a long time to get that sucker started, man. So the mm -hmm. point is like, you know, if you feel like you're, you're sputtering in your relationship, it's something to be in tune with and, and you know, and get after it sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the phrase, it's cheaper to keep her. What would you, what would you say to that when most guys have that mindset? Well, if, um, finances are your only concern, sure. I suppose that that might be true in certain circumstances, mm -hmm. but in, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm very optimistic about people being able to change their financial circumstances if they want to. Hmm. Okay. It's not a movable objects. I think people can change things if they want to. I think they're, they're just life and people have convinced them that whatever they're in, they can't change. Yeah. I make $120,000 a year. That's it. That's all I'll ever make the rest of my life. I got a pension. Like, okay, great. I'm going to get 2% raise a year. That's it. Mm -hmm. Well, is there anything else you could do to, to generate more income if you wanted to? No, no, I can't do that. Well, have you even really thought about it? Like, so I feel like, you know, if you're looking at just finances as being the most important thing, yeah. And you're also working from the assumption that finances aren't changeable. Um, I feel like happiness in life is the most important thing. And yes. I feel like, you know, a good relationship with your kids is the most important thing. I feel like spending time with your family is the most important thing. Those things are the holy grail in my opinion. Um, 
but I, but you will have people say, well, Dennis, uh, you know, if I can't pay my bills, how's that happy? How can I spend time with my family? How got it? I get it. I get it. That can make it challenging, Mm -hmm. but I think there's nothing worth your happiness and there's nothing worth, um, you know, not having the Holy grail, which is, you know, as much as you can with your family. And I mean, when I say that, you know, people say, well, if I stay together, I'm going to have my family all the time. Well, yeah, I mean, not really, not really. I mean, you have these situations where you say, well, if I divorce, now I'm going to have to give X amount of dollars to my spouse and spousal support, child support, whatever it is. But if I stay together, I don't have to pay that money and I'm still living in the same household with my family. Yeah, but you're coming home at night at six o'clock at night, barely seeing your kids, not going to ball games, not doing those sorts of things. So, so for those sorts of people, I'm like, you know, you're not, you know, it's not like you've already got that already. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the cheaper to keeper thing is I, I say, get a good lawyer, try to get a good resolution in your situation, but your happiness is the most important thing. And the behavior and relationships that you're modeling for your kids is, is as important, yes. if not more important than that. And I think you can change your financial circumstances if you want to, um, for most people. So, you know, you get that net worth statement in your divorce case. I don't know if you filled out one in yours, but net worth statement where you got to say all of your income and all of your expenses and then all of your assets and all of your liabilities. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't never had to do that in the divorce process, but I had to do something like that for my first mortgage. And I I felt like a piece of shit after that. I won't be quite honest. (laughs) I had way too much debt. I wasn't making enough money. My expenses were too high. Yeah. You know. My mortgage broker was like, you're a train wreck. <laughs> my, my, my soon-to-be wife was like, oh, we got to fix you up, man. This is a mess. But, but I did fix it all up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, as you look at that, you can identify those problems. So maybe the divorce process is an opportunity for you to identify you know, the, the, the gaps in your finances and try to find a way to make something that's more workable, thereby changing your financial circumstance and still putting you in a position, position where you're happy. Um, yeah. And it's so, and, and I know exactly what you're saying. Cause I've been there. And again, I had to work four jobs when I was single. Like, uh, again, yep. I had my primary job. I was doing Uber. I was building websites on the side, doing logo design. I was doing everything I can to just make money. And so it was an adjustment. I finally got on my feet four years later, but that change that we're talking about that letting go. Cause you're, I mean, think about it. Some of these people have been married 20 years, 15 years. This is all they've right. known. I mean, they left their mom's right. house to, and now they're married. So they've never been on their own. So it's that unknown that it, the change itself is so damn frightening. It's tough for them to realize that they can do it. And I think a yeah. lot of people don't realize how strong they are until it's actually happening. Now, I think you may have just, I, I want to say stumble on something because I know everything is, is very deliberate because you've been through this process, so you understand it. I, mm-hmm. I think that what you just said is, is probably the real, the real reason. I think they, that cheaper to keeper thing is because more, more out of fear of the unknown. Yeah. They hear a lot of horror stories. They don't know what's out there. And anytime something's unknown, what do you think? Especially as guys. Oh, we yeah. think the worst, yeah. worst possible situation. Yeah. I'm going to have to pay a, pay a quadzillion dollars a month and I'm never going to, I'm not going to be able to like Ford seller, uh, you know, cereal <laughs> for dinner. And like, yeah, that's what we think of. I'm never going to see my kids. This is going to court order me to not see my kids anymore. Like that's what we think of when the mm-hmm. process, and, and I don't really blame people because it is a scary process. And then there isn't enough information out there about the realities of it. And hopefully we're, we're generating more and more for people to see, but um, yeah, that fear of the unknown is probably more, um, probably more the reality than, than people want to really admit. Yeah. 
And I know a lot of people, I hate to phrase it this way, but they tend to hide behind their kids. Like I'm going to stay until they're 18. And I've had a lot of people in my comments saying, I am a child of a divorced family. And it breaks my heart that my dad stayed with my verbally abusive mom his entire life for me. I feel so guilty about that. Yep. And I think a lot of them don't think about that aspect because you're thinking about the now, but the long game, when they think back, is like you followed on my 18th birthday, really? Okay, and like, wow, so y'all were just together for me. I don't think they ever think about how the kid feels about right. the whole family behind that, that they grew up in. It's like, it was a facade, it was fake. Right, and, and you know what's so funny? We as parents, I mean, we kid ourselves if we think we're hiding stuff from our kids. Mm-mm. You know, I have a seven and eight year old. You are not hiding that from. Oh, we stayed in a happy home so my kids could see that it was happy. They know kids yeah. are not stupid. Mm-hmm. Once they can walk and talk, they that listen, they're listening at the door. They're sneaking into your room. You don't think they're hearing stuff. Of course they are. Yeah. So at the end of the day, and I've actually gotten a lot of comments from kids that say I was in that family who stayed together for me and it was miserable. Hmm. Yeah. So I get those comments too. Um, I think you. I think yours, Rudy. Actually, yours is a perfect example. Yours is a situation, and I think our conversation before you said, "Look, Dennis, after we split, when I, I have the greatest relationship with my kids, yeah, and so does my ex, and we have a workable relationship between us. That is possible if you want to make the effort to make that happen. That is possible. Mm-hmm. It really is." Sometimes it's more difficult than others. Yeah. Especially when you have possible. a partner who's not willing to, uh, you know how it is, the one-sided partner that we talked about earlier, that it's always mm-hmm. your fault. And, you, oh, you want a divorce? Well, I'm going to make your life a living hell and just be vindictive and use the kids against them. We've, we've heard of those stories. I don't know if they're mm-hmm. as common as people may think, but we hear about that. And uh, and uh, I'm, I'm grateful that I didn't have that in my situation. We, we were the leaders in that. And kids will follow mommy and daddy's lead. Yep. They will. Yep. And I think what you're going to find with those sorts of circumstances, they tend to be, you know, we have this saying in the profession that giraffes don't marry elephants, forgive the expression. Whereas like, I think the, the, the point of it is that a lot of times in these situations, especially the acrimonious custody and situations is they know how to play off of each other. Right. Mm. So you got that one person on the side, I'm going to make this difficult for you. And the, the, like, fuck them. I'm going to go right back at them. And there's bing, bing. You know, you ever see that, like you drop the, the steel ball on the strings and hits one side, goes off the yeah. other and hits yeah. the other side, then goes just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. The only way you get out of that is by tapping out of that. And I'm not saying tapping out of it by, you know, um, you know, distancing yourself from your kids. I'm saying tapping out of it by you, you people don't realize you're going to engage with this person. It's never going to be anything positive. Got to mm-hmm. stop engaging with this person. And as much as that, they look what they did to me. They got, I'm going to get them back. I'm going, you can't have that. You got to be emotionless and like, Hey, they're going to act like a jackass. That's fine. I'm just going to make sure I get my kids at the time. I'm supposed to get them and spend time with them. Mm-hmm. You can't fix that other person. You can't change them, but you can stop engaging with their BS. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, I guess on, on the person who's trying to get them emotional riled up, they see that their tricks aren't working, they'll, they'll maybe stop or maybe they'll pull back from that. But that's kind of the best way to approach that. And I'm just thankful that I was never in that situation. But right. it breaks my heart to hear men and women who are in those situations. Yep. Because when you drop off your kids, it's like, oh, my God, what is he going to tell her or what's she going to tell him? It's like, ugh. 
and you can't fix it, but I think look at it this way. Once you're in a, and that's why, again, all of these difficulties we're talking about now, I want you to see what we're seeing now and rewind. Yes. These podcasts are for the 18, 19, 22, 25, 30, 32, 35, or people who are divorced, middle, middle of their life, and mm-hmm. hey, maybe new partner, maybe more kids. Learn now. Learn now all these things that you're seeing because, you know, again, if you get with that person, it can be extremely challenging and difficult. And really, you, you need a therapist or professional to assist you in dealing with that other person because they, well they may very well be diagnosable. Yeah. Yeah. So, but what you've got to do on you, all you can do is keep your proverbial side of the street clean, right? Mm -hmm. So do the best you can to be you and model for your kids what the appropriate behavior is. And you will find that when you do that in those circumstances, the cases that I've seen more uh, percentage wise, the kids see it. Once the kids get old enough, they're like, dad or mom, I know you were doing the right. I I saw it the whole way. Yeah. They recognize it. They see Mm -hmm. it. And then you've done your part. You've done Mm -hmm. your part to keep your own sanity. You've done your part to keep your kids sanity and to raise children well. So Mm -hmm. that's all you can do. Absolutely. And now, you know, that's a perfect place to end the podcast, Dennis, because I was like, perfect in cool. answer to all the questions. But again, I want to thank you for what you do, because again, um, I, I, marriage is a difficult process and it's not the happily ever, ever after we all grow up knowing or understanding, but uh, it can be difficult, especially divorce. And there's so much misinformation out there. Yep. Uh, and just all these, uh, the viral, horrible situations that aren't the norm. And I'm glad you're out there giving people guidance and giving them real life knowledge uh, to kind of help them through the most difficult time in their lives. So again, sincerely, and it is a pleasure meeting you and getting to know you, man. So uh, yeah, this you was too. a lot of fun. Yeah, you, you too. Thank you for what you do as well, Rudy. Like I said, I think it's, you know, one of the other, uh, been there, got out was on my podcast. Right. And they have a saying that's called be part of the wave, the wave of information, the wave of professionals trying to help people going through this process. I think part of that wave does necessarily include counselors DV counselors and lawyers and even judges um, and mediators and and maybe most importantly, people who've been in it looking looking out from the inside. Mm-hmm. We learn from you because we know what we're advising clients. We've seen the process, but we don't really see the full scale of like what you're going through as you're going through the process. So, so thank you for what you do. I think it's super, super important. And hopefully we can all continue to be part of the wave of, you know, helping people through this process in a way that yeah. they don't have to pay $500 an hour for it. <laughs> so, right. I like exactly. putting stuff out that they can just consume that's for free. So. Yeah, absolutely. And again, sir, uh, I appreciate the, the, the kind words. And again, thank you for your time. Sounds good. Take care.